Welcome to the Mama Say Fit Podcast. Today is Birth Story Friday, and we have someone very special on the podcast sharing her two birth stories with us, Genesis. Genesis was a prenatal fitness client and postpartum fitness client here in the Mama Say Fit gym, and I was very fortunate to be her doula for both of her births. Welcome to the Mama Say Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Say Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. In today's episode, Genesis is going to be sharing her two hospital birth stories. Her first birth was with an epidural after a really long labor. And then her second birth was an unmedicated hospital birth where she actually switched providers in the second half of her pregnancy due to dissatisfaction with her provider. So it is important to note that you can change your provider pretty much at any time as long as they will accept you. And if you don't feel satisfied with your care, you can definitely find someone new. Genesis did the Mama Stay Fit prenatal, postnatal, and childbirth education course, plus she had Gina as her doula, so she did it all, and we were so grateful to be part of her entire motherhood journey. When Genesis started with us, she had never really worked out before, but our programming can be modified to any fitness level. Genesis said that she didn't experience the normal aches and pains she had heard of all of her friends having during pregnancy, all thanks to our prenatal programming. She felt prepared for her birth and knows she wouldn't have been able to move and labor for as long unmedicated if she didn't work out her entire pregnancy with us. You can work out with us both in person at our gym here in Aberdeen, North Carolina, and online. Use code STORY10 for 10% off any of our online offerings. So thanks for being here, Genesis. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us about your pregnancy. What made you decide to hire a doula and join the Mama Safe Fit Gym? I know that you didn't have like a ton of workout experience prior. And so I'm sure it was intimidating walking into our space and meeting me. <laughs> yeah. So I found out I was pregnant and I was talking to one of my friends and she said, oh, you definitely need to get a doula. And I thought, okay cool. That sounds great. What do they do? She said, they make you meals. They take care of the baby so you can get some sleep. And I thought, okay, I like food. Like this sounds great. Not realizing that she was talking about a postpartum doula. (laughs) So I get on Google and I just, you know, type in doula near me. And the first thing that pops up was mama stay fit. And I thought, that's really neat. They're less than a mile away. I can actually walk to that location. Like I'm really interested to hear more about them and just to see what they offer. So I remember coming in and Gina had actually just had Owen like a month before or something. It wasn't, it wasn't that long after. And I kind of started talking to her and I realized, oh, okay, like she's not a postpartum doula. She's a different kind of doula. But I was still, you know, just really interested in the gym and prenatal fitness. Up until that point, I wasn't necessarily working out regularly. But as I told Gina, I said, I think this is really important for my pregnancy and for my baby. So I want to get as much information as I can. So Gina kind of talked me through the gym, talked about the um, the format and the programming. So I thought, okay, let's let's give it a shot. And it turned out to just be the best thing I could have done for my pregnancy. I started trying to go to the gym 
I want to say about four or five times a week. And I immediately noticed just a difference in my movements. Before I had heard so many of my friends or just people that I knew who had been pregnant talk about having a painful pregnancy. And something that I noticed is I had very little to no pain when I was working out. So when I was going to the gym, I felt great. And the few times that I did have pain was because I didn't go to the gym that week or, you know, I just wasn't wasn't actively working out. So it's funny because people would say, how did you go to the gym four to five times a week your first pregnancy? And I said, I had to. Otherwise, I did experience that, you know, lower back pain or pelvic pain, what have you. So tell us about the end of your pregnancy and your birth story. So towards the end of your pregnancy, the hospital still had restrictions on who you could have in person. So walk us through the end of your pregnancy and then going into labor. Right. So this was 2021. It was not necessarily the height of COVID, but there were still a lot of restrictions. The hospital that I had picked was only 15 minutes away from home, but they were only allowing one support person at that time. So I talked to my husband and we both still decided that we wanted to hire Gina as our doula because we are a military family. We didn't really have our family nearby. So we wanted some kind of support when I did go into labor. We had kind of come up with a plan with Gina, and that was that we would labor at home as much as possible. She would kind of come over earlier than she would for any other clients that she would support in hospital, and she would she would help us labor at home as long as we could. So I remember specifically, it was a Wednesday, that I lost my mucus plug. I was about three days past my due date. I was so excited. I texted Gina hey, things are happening. I think something's going to happen. I'm going to have a baby soon. And then nothing happened that day, (laughs) of course. So I was like, well, I guess we'll see what happens. And then I remember the next morning, Thursday, it was about 3 a.m. I start having a ton of contractions. And I thought, okay, here we go. It's getting started. Again, also text Gina. She responds with, Maybe it's something, maybe it's not. (laughs) My favorite Gina phrase. (laughs) So that day, I just remembered contractions just coming and going. They would start to get close together, and they would start to kind of get further apart. They'd start to get super, super intense. Didn't really seem like anything was, was consistent. So I didn't get a lot of sleep or rest that night. And then moving into Friday morning, again, it was probably around 4 or 5 a.m. I distinctly remember my water breaking because up until that point, I kept thinking, Did, has my water broken yet? Like, did I miss something? No, it was definitely one of those big, like a gush of water came out. And I thought, okay, no, that definitely, definitely something just happened. So I think we waited a few hours, I want to say. And then finally, contractions were starting to get more intense. So we called Gina. She came over, helped us labor at home. And then we decided to go to the hospital early that evening. So we get to the hospital. And I just remember feeling so tired because at this point, it had been two days that I hadn't slept. I'd been having these contractions. I was exhausted. But at the same time, I hadn't really eaten because it was one of those things where I just didn't think about it. I didn't prioritize it. So I was super tired, super hungry. I was in the hospital for a few hours. The doctor comes in and says, hey, you know, there's nothing really happening with your contractions. I think it would be a good idea to put you on Pitocin. 
So immediately I get nervous because I think, oh my gosh, like this is the start of a ton of interventions. What am I going to do? But after kind of thinking about it, I thought, well, I, I think I'm at the point where I need a little bit more help. So he puts me on Pitocin and I kind of tried to be on it without any other interventions at first. But again, I was going on two days of no sleep, not, no food or anything. So made the decision to go on IV medication, pain medication. So we tried that again for a few hours. And then at this point, it's the next day, it's Saturday, maybe 6 a.m., doctor comes in. He was very supportive, very empathetic, but he did say, I really think it's a good idea for you to get the epidural now. You are clearly very tired. I think you need some rest. And, you know, this is just kind of the, the next step in moving forward. So defeated, I got the epidural. <laughs> Um, and I thought, well, at least I'm going to be able to rest for a little bit. And sure enough, I took a glorious nap. I still remember it was a great nap. <laughs> and I woke up later that evening. It was time to push is what they told me. So I ended up pushing for five hours, which was intense once again after not really having any food to fuel me and just still having been in the hospital for, what was that, going on the second day? Yeah, something nice. like that. <laughs> After that, I remember just my screaming daughter coming at me <laughs> after I delivered. I just have this distinct memory of a very angry baby coming towards my face <laughs> after pushing for that long. You know, I they immediately put her on my chest, so I was happy about that. But I just remember the doctor saying, oh, you, you kind of had a really bad tear, so we're going to have to repair that. You know, my initial feeling was just disappointment because, A, I'd been pushing for five hours, and B, I thought, oh, no, I got a tear. Like, what am I going to do? Is it going to be okay? And honestly, I think that what I was most disappointed in as well is I felt so weak. I remember the week after I came home and Gina came over to visit, telling her, Gina, I just feel like such a weak person. I feel like if I had been stronger, then I would have just pushed my baby out in five minutes. I have such a good memory of Gina turning to me and saying, I don't think you were weak at all. I think you were incredibly strong. And that just made a really big impact on me. I was really glad to be there for you, even though I couldn't be there in person. Let's take a quick break to share about our birth story sponsor, Balbay. Balbay is a perinatal company that intentionally designs support wear for your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Balbay was founded by a physical therapist and creates support bands, support leggings, bralettes, and other clothing items to support your entire perinatal journey. I loved using Balbay to support my postpartum healing with their bloomers. They are designed by a physiotherapist to offer unique core support that resists stress and strain over the abdomen. A pro fabric hammock also provides a bottoms up approach to pelvic floor support. The bloomers offer gentle core and pelvic floor support for optimal postpartum recovery. Plus, you can grab the bloomers in their Soothe and Support postpartum kit that includes a peri bottle, postpartum underwear, a postpartum perineal ice pack that fits into the bloomers. The ice pack can also double for soothing engorgement in your breasts, and I personally use this kit in my postpartum. Balbay is one of our favorite maternity and postpartum support wear brands. We are so grateful that they have graciously sponsored our birth story podcast episode so you can hear real birth stories to learn from as you prepare for your own birth. Head to balbaybody.com and use code MAMASAYFIT for 15% off your order. Thank you, Balbay, for supporting us throughout our motherhood journey. 
So how is your postpartum healing? How was it navigating motherhood? So we are military families here, so a lot of us don't have extended family members here to support us. So how was it navigating that? Yeah, so it was definitely a challenge not having any family around me. I was very, very grateful that my husband was able to get some paternity leave. At the time, it was only three weeks. Thankfully, now it's a lot more. But at the time, three weeks just felt like an eternity that he was going to be able to be there to support me and support my daughter. I was also in a situation where I didn't have a lot of close friends who had kids. So for me, it was difficult because I didn't have a whole lot of people to ask for help or to just ask questions like, is this normal? I'm really thankful that I did have Gina and Roxanne. I'd made a couple of friends at the Mama Stay Fit gym, but it was still, you know, it was also relatively new. So it was pretty challenging. And then kind of those feelings of weakness persisted for the first, I'd say, two or three weeks postpartum. So I just kept thinking, I'm such a weak person. Like, I wasn't strong enough. I didn't get what I wanted. So that was really difficult. And it actually took me a long time to get over those feelings. Um, it wasn't until much later that that my perspective on that first birth changed. So let's talk about your second pregnancy, navigating pregnancy with a toddler, and then we can move into your second birth story where things were a little bit different, I think. Yeah, definitely. So second time around, you know, I found out I was pregnant. I knew exactly what I was going to do. I said, okay, we have a game plan. You know, got the Mama Stay Fit programming. The hospitals don't really have those restrictions that they did in 2021. So it's all going to be different. And, you know, I know exactly, you know, it, it's just going to be completely different. So I was so thankful that I was still able to access um, the gym, still able to work out, but it was really frustrating that I could not go five times a week like I was going, right? I had a toddler now. And even when I did go to the gym, it's not like I could 100% dedicate my attention to working out. Half of it was making sure Sasha wasn't hitting a kid with a dumbbell or something. <laughs> um, so... It was frustrating, but at the same time, I knew, hey, I'm here and I'm still moving. I'm still working. Like, this is still having a positive effect on my body, even if it's not to the intensity that I had before. So initially, I decided to that I was going to go with the same hospital I'd been to before um, because I thought, you know, that's the closest hospital. It's only 15 minutes away. I had an okay experience. You know, the doctors themselves were great. The last time, so I, I'm okay going there again. But as I got further along in my pregnancy, I started to notice a change at the clinic where I was going that I just wasn't feeling heard by some of the providers. I think the last appointment that I had, I specifically remember I had a lot of questions for the provider, and she was trying to get me to go check out and so she could see her next patient. And I was asked, actually asking questions in the hallway. And she was just kind of ushering me away. And so I just got very frustrated. And I thought, you know, I really want to go somewhere where I'm going to feel heard and where I'm going to feel supported. So I'd heard about a different hospital that was about an hour away. And I thought it might be time to check that out. So I was in my third trimester when I decided to switch providers. And I noticed a huge difference. I mean, the providers there were always so supportive you know, always took the time to actually sit down and say, what questions do you have? How can I help you? So immediately you just felt that change. So I was a little nervous about the, you know, how far we were, but I thought we have a plan. You know, we, we can just, if anything, we can leave a little bit early. There are lots of hotels in the area. It's all going to be fine. 
you know, the day came where I was 39 weeks and I think two days. And I remember waking up and feeling a distinct cramping. And I thought, oh, this is this is completely different than anything I've felt in my pregnancy. And I remember texting Gina and she was just like, that's a really great sign. And I thought, okay, okay, this is, this is happening. So I went to the kitchen and I told my husband, I said, hey, I'm feeling this cramping. Like it's really different than anything I've ever had. I think something may happen soon. And he said, okay, well, do you think I can go into the office and just kind of grab my stuff and wrap things up? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, it's still going to take time. It took days last time. It'll be fine. And then I go to the bathroom and I lost my mucus plug. And so I immediately come out and I said, no, you can't go anywhere. <laughs> like this baby is coming soon. And my poor husband, he, he went into this like state of frenzy. So he immediately starts cleaning our house, packing our bags, <laughs> getting the dogs ready. Like our house was sparkling clean that day, which was incredible. But in the meantime, I immediately knew, okay, I need to do things differently to this time. So I need to prioritize rest and nutrition. So I started eating as much as I can <laughs> because I thought, well, what if I can't eat ever again? <laughs> So I'm just like in the pantry eating all the snacks that we have, all the snacks that I had bought for the hospital. I just start tearing into them like, I eat as much as possible. I have to make sure I'm not hungry. So I remember that. And then I remember just kind of laying around and just resting. I took a, I think I took a couple really good long naps as contractions were starting to get closer together. And I was so excited because it was consistently getting closer together. It wasn't like last time. So it's funny because I think I was, I think I, contractions were about 10 or 15 minutes apart and I text Gina and I say, okay, I think we're going to drop off my daughter and head to the hospital. And she goes, I'm not sure that's a good idea yet. It's pretty early. And I thought, well, Gina doesn't know. She doesn't know me. Like, no, like, come on, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's wrong. Clearly. <laughs> I'm clearly going to have my baby. Yeah. Not that, exactly. Not that, like... <laughs> I didn't know from hearing everyone else say the same thing, right, that they went to the hospital too early. So I thought, no, you know, I really want to go drop my daughter off. And Gina's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I know what I'm doing, clearly. <laughs> so we pack up everything up and we go drop our daughter off. She was going to stay about 45 minutes away. So I really wanted to make sure she was okay. And I was, you know, already nervous that it was her first time away from us. So we go, we drop her off. We get to the city where the hospital's at about an hour away. And I said, Alex, I do think it's a little bit early. So let's let's walk around just a little bit. So we walked around for several hours. And then finally, it's like 9 or 10 p.m. And he's like, you know, we really should probably at least get you checked out at the hospital. And I was like, no, I really don't want to go. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> I'm going to have to fight to get you to go to the hospital. But we get to the hospital. I get checked in. And I am a whopping two centimeters dilated. And I just wanted to sob because I thought, not this again. <laughs> so I talked to the midwife and she said, you know, if you would have called, I would have told you it's way too early to be here. You may not have a baby for days. And I thought, what? <laughs> and I remember texting Gina and Gina's like, no, your baby's totally coming tomorrow because tomorrow's my birthday. <laughs> I was just like, I hope so. But the midwife, she gave me, she said, you know, what you need is some really good sleep. You know, it's getting a little bit late and you're not, you know, your contractions are still kind of far apart. Because at that point, I think it was five minutes apart and they were 
I think they were 30 seconds to a minute. But I was still fully coherent. And that's that's the thing I kind of laugh about now is I thought, did I not learn the first time around that when you're fully coherent, it is not time to be at the hospital? So finally, she was like, just go get some sleep and, and get some rest and see what happens. So we thought it'd be pretty easy to get a hotel room, right? Because we were in a bigger city and we we're like, oh, there are tons of hotels around. People do it all the time. We went to maybe five different hotels looking for a room. And at that point, I'm really tired. And I'm just like, I feel like Mary and Joseph. And we can't find any room at the inn. And we're going to have to go to some like, backwoods location to, to take to rest. And he's like, no, I'll find us something. So we finally find a hotel, get to the hotel. We sleep maybe two hours. And then I feel a difference. And I think okay, we got to go back now. And poor Alex had finally gotten our stuff unpacked. He was like, finally laying down. And I'm like, nope, we got to go now. He's like, okay, let's do this. So go back to the hospital. And I can't remember how far along what I was. I want to say it was something like six centimeters or, or something like that. But I just remember they said, okay, it's time to admit you. So I get into the hospital room, you know, I kind of start getting comfortable, get cozy in the bed. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. And I just thought it was really funny. I remember the nurse coming in and said, saying, okay, it says on your chart, you want to go unmedicated. You're not going to have an unmedicated birth just laying in the bed like that. It's <laughs> like, oh, dang. Wow. Oh, all right. I can get up and walk around, I guess. <laughs> So at this point, there's not a whole lot that I remember, but I just remember Gina magically appeared out of the blue. She was just there. I was like, oh, hey, Gina. (laughs) And one of the things that I was so grateful for was Gina was just a blessing in that she was so good at suggesting different things that I would not have thought about on my own. I remember her saying, hey, why don't we try the shower? Why don't we get in there for a little bit and see how that feels Why don't we get into the tub for a little bit and see how that feels? At one point, I remember Alex just like dumping water on my belly for like an hour. And it's like, this is the only thing that's helping. But (laughs) And so I think there was a provider change at that point. And that's where my memory is a little bit fuzzy. So at one point, you started bearing down. So you started having the fetal ejection reflex. But I would say it was like 60% like strength at that point. And then there was a provider shift. So you had been kind of bearing down for about like an hour or so, but things weren't like progressing with it. And it didn't appear that like the baby was moving down. And so then the new midwife did a cervical exam with your consent. And she was like, oh, the baby's head is tilted. We should start Pitocin. And there wasn't a whole lot of like conversation about it. And the word Pitocin, I think, triggered you. And it was like immediate, I need an epidural. I can't do this with Pitocin. Like you're pacing the room. And so I convinced you somehow that let's do an inversion or two to see if that can help with baby's head position because it'll be much harder to adjust baby's position if you have an epidural. And you reluctantly agreed. And so we tried to do like a full on like four leading inversion and you were like, no, thank you. Um, So we ended up just doing like a little bit of a puppy dog pose. So it wasn't even a very intense inversion. Like the bed was flat and you just dropped your chest to the bed with your butt up in the air. And then after one contraction, you were like, something happened. And then you started really pushing. I was like 100% fetal ejection reflex at that point. And I don't think you pushed for very long. 
I want to say I only pushed for 20 minutes is what you told me right after. But it's so funny because going back to the Pitocin thing, as soon as the provider said that, I heard nothing and I just full on panicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to repeat the same thing as last time. Like all this work for nothing is where my mind went. And I just remember absolutely flipping out like... I think Gina and my husband were both kind of trying to like calm me down and be like, it's it's okay. Like, this is a conversation. Like the provider was, you know, like she was very blunt about it, but like, don't, don't let your mind just kind of go out of control. And so I do not know how Gina convinced me to do an inversion, but it's amazing that she did because I remember thinking, Gina does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> Again, I was very wrong, but I was like, how is getting on a bed going to change anything? Particularly because when I had, when I heard her say inversion, I thought of, you know, kind of the, the ones I'd done during my pregnancy where you get on your forearms and they can be hard to, to hold for a full minute. And I was thinking, how am I going to hold that? during a contraction at this point. And I remember Gina saying, no, we'll just do a gentle one. Like just get on the bed. It's, it's going to be okay. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll give it one last shot, but I really want that epidural. Like that's, what's going to fix everything. But then sure enough, as soon as I did that inversion, there was a complete change. Like I just felt like, like my baby, like shot out of the birth canal and then shot back in and was just ready to come out. And I just, I mean, like, okay, it's time. It's time to push. Like I get what everyone says. So it's interesting because I was able to have an unmedicated birth and I'm extremely grateful, but I actually had the same thought initially after I had my daughter and that was feel really weak. And I thought, well, everyone is always saying that I'm going to feel empowered, but I still feel weak. That was really hard. And that was just kind of the initial thought. I think later on is when I, I kind of realized what had just happened and what I had just done. But it's just kind of funny because that's not what I was expecting. I thought it was just going to be, you know, angels singing and doves flying and just this like beautiful, calm process of an unmedicated birth. And it was just not at all what I was <laughs> expecting. I think some things that really helped me were, I remember, I think it's the childbirth education class. You talk about having these mantras or things to repeat affirmations while you're in labor. And so one of them is, you know, my body was created to do this, specifically created to do this. And it's pain with a purpose. I think that's one of my favorite ones. It's, I was telling a friend recently, you know, it's not just pain like when you stub your toe and you're just mad. Like this is productive pain. It's pain that has its purpose. And every contraction is bringing you closer to meeting your baby. So that was so, so helpful for me that just having that different mindset. And then a student nurse passed out. <laughs> this was, I don't remember if you tore or not. So the baby came out like a little stunned. So they brought her to the warmer and the midwife was just talking very like nonchalant to the student about like what she was doing. And then I looked away and all of a sudden I heard this big thump and I was like, what just happened? And then the student was just laying on the floor. <laughs> Yeah. So it's so funny because I remember, you know, that was when they were like, I don't, I think I might've had a very minor tear, but they were wrapping things up. And I, I remember the midwife telling the student, this is what I'm doing. And all of a sudden I hear the midwife say, oh my gosh. And I'm just like, jump. And I'm like, did she cut me? Like, what's going on? Is my baby okay? 
And then I hear her say, she fainted. And I'm like, well, I didn't faint. Like, who fainted? Did Alex faint? Like, what's happening? And so just like a rush of people go over to this poor student and take her away, I guess, to the ER. And I was like, well, okay, that's that's exciting. But is everyone else? So baby was born on my birthday. So I, I had my first doula birthday twin, which was very exciting. I had another baby that was due on my birthday, but was not. They were actually born early. So I was excited to have my birthday twin finally. We'll, we'll celebrate every year together. <laughs> so what were some positive aspects of each of your birth stories? Like what were things that you were like really glad happened and that you would repeat if you guys decide to have more babies? So... the Mama Stay Fit programming. I think that made the biggest difference, not only in pregnancy, but when it came to delivery. Whenever I tell friends about your programming, you know, I, I liken it to if you want to run a marathon, you don't just do any kind of workout. You don't go and do CrossFit or or play tennis. You actually find a marathon specific workout plan and you you follow that because that's going to target the muscles that you're going to use. And I think it's similar with you guys' programming. I think, yeah, there are some programs that are technically safe for pregnancy or, you know, things like that. But this is something that's specifically focusing on the muscles that you're going to need, the movements that are most going to be beneficial. So if we have more, that's the first thing that I'm going to do because <laughs> I've seen the benefits of it. But I, I think it was really helpful to have a doula in both situations. You know, even, even having had the epidural the first time, it made a big difference that my husband was able to, you know, if he had to, to step out for a minute or something, that he was able to rely on you for those moments that, that he had to step out or whatnot. I think the second time around, just again, having that mindset change and really focusing on the mental aspect of it, not just the physical part of it. Was there anything you wish you could have done differently, such as just knowing something, such as just knowing more about something ahead of time? Honestly, it was really that nutrition and rest. You know, I didn't think about the fact that it is a marathon, right? It's a long process and your body needs that fuel and it needs to to be in, you know, the best state that it can be at that time. And so for my first, I definitely wish I would have known, hey, it's really important to eat (laughs) if you're going to do something like this. It's important to take those naps. And then I think for my second, I do wish I had placed a little bit less like pressure on myself to go do this like perfect unmedicated birth. Um, I think it was still both were really beautiful stories in their own ways. And I wish I had kind of looked at it that way instead of, no, this is something that I have to do just you know, to do it. And to finish up, what has been your favorite part of motherhood? I think the fact that it gets better and better. You hear so many people that can be really negative, like, oh, just wait until they start doing this or wait until that. It gets really hard. But honestly, it just gets better and better. It's amazing to see these babies grow from infants into toddlerhood and beyond. And I'm also so blessed to have a really great community where we live and just be able to to connect with other moms that are going through the same and that also see it in that same way. I think we're all in a more positive community where we have that view of it's going to get better and better. Yes, there are some hardships, but it's just so worth it. 
Thank you so much for being here and sharing your birth stories with us and with our listeners. And thank you for allowing me to support two pregnancies now and two births. And I'm here for baby number three. Should you guys decide to have more, I will travel if you guys move to. <laughs> Thanks so much to both of you. You guys really do some amazing work and I'm so appreciative. I was really fortunate to be able to support Genesis throughout her entire pregnancy, her birth, her postpartum, a second pregnancy, and then a second birth. And what was really cool about being able to work with her during her pregnancies is I was really able to help her find a provider that best aligned with her values and what she was wanting out of her birth. And so she left her first birth experience not feeling super great about the provider. And then she went into her second pregnancy and chose the same provider initially and then decided that this was not the team for her. And she opted to move to a midwife-run facility which is where Roxanne is actually giving birth. And so Roxanne, can you talk more about the importance of choosing a provider that best aligns with your values? Yes. So choosing your provider is probably one of the best indicators of what your birth experience is going to be. If you feel very supported by them during your entire pregnancy, you probably will feel very supported by them during your birth and listen to you during your birth. A good sign that the provider that you're seeing is going to support you and listen to you and make you feel heard and listen to you during your birth is how you feel when you leave a prenatal visit is we start seeing them pretty early on in our pregnancy at like eight weeks. And if you leave those prenatal visits early on in your pregnancy, feeling like they heard you and listened to you and all of your questions were answered and you feel really confident in your provider when you leave those prenatal visits, that is a great sign that the provider that you chose for your prenatal care is going to honor and listen to you during labor. If you leave your prenatal visits and you feel like you have a million more questions or you felt very dismissed or that your concerns and questions weren't really like heard, that's probably a pretty good sign that you might need to find a new provider. And just because the closest provider to you in distance and time is there, but they're not listening to you and you feel very dismissed by them or rushed by them during your visits, maybe we need to travel a little bit further to find a provider that actually will provide the type of care that we need both prenatally because that is how they're going to provide their care for you during labor. And so a helpful way to find a provider that best aligns with your values is you can one, reach out to local doulas and you can ask them their opinion. And I would recommend asking like a few different doulas because they all have slightly different experiences and priorities when they're supporting births. And so like my personal recommendations may be a little bit different from some other doulas. And so asking them their opinion can be a great way to figure out whether or not this is a good provider for you. You can ask in like mom groups or you can ask like friends their experience, but the downside of doing that is they typically only have their own experience that they're kind of working from as opposed to a doula who has worked in multiple hospitals with a lot of different providers and they're also not like actively in labor and so they have a better assessment of like kind of what's going on and so asking a local doula like their recommendations can be a really great option you don't necessarily have to hire them but you can just message them on instagram or you can shoot them an email and just say hey i'm really trying to figure out like where I want to give birth. And typically a doula is going to be very giving with information because they want everyone to have a really great experience. And so we 
we'll have folks that'll email or DM us and I will happily give them my recommendations on different providers that are available for us in the area or maybe a little bit further away. So again, like Roxanne was saying, just because they are the closest provider to you doesn't necessarily mean that they are the best provider for you. Now, if distance is a really big deal to you, such as like you have super fast labors or like being really close is a really important factor for you, like absolutely, that's the best provider for you. If you are willing to drive to a provider that's gonna provide a different type of care that better aligns with your values, I would recommend driving. And typically you have more than one option. If you don't have a lot of options and you are really limited, like the next closest provider is like three hours away, and so you can ask local doulas like, hey, is there a certain provider within this one practice that's available to me that I should try to prioritize my care for? And then kind of going from there. So choosing your provider has a huge role and is very impactful on not only your pregnancy, but also your birth experience. It was something for me during my births that the provider played such a huge role in whether or not I had a negative or a positive experience. And so it's probably one of the most important things that you can do for your birth is choosing who is going to help support your birth. And again, just because of the closest one doesn't mean that the best one for you, or maybe they are the best one for you and you just lucked out with somebody that's super close. But know that you can pretty much switch your provider almost at any time throughout your pregnancy. You may be limited as you get towards like the end of your pregnancy, but even sometimes then you can still switch to someone that better aligns with what you're looking for. So thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, please join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education courses. If you need support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses. If you're a professional, we offer both birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us and earn CEUs. And you can explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com and use code STORY10 to save 10% off all of our programs. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes, leave a review, and share with all of your friends and family. We would appreciate the share. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. The Mama Stay Fit Podcast Birth Story Friday episodes are sponsored by Balbay, a perinatal clothing company that supports your pregnancy, birth, and beyond with their expertly curated support wear garments. And you can use code Mama Stay Fit for 15% off your order. <laughs>